Hello, and thanks for listening to the Geek to English podcast. This podcast is brought to you by SiteGround. SiteGround is known for its quality web hosting services. Learn more about them at SiteGround.com. Welcome to the Geek to English podcast. Each week on the Geek to English podcast, we are going to discuss a different technical topic in plain old English. No unexplained technical terms, no insider jargon, no developer speak. We take the technical and make it easy to understand. We translate geek to English. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Geek to English podcast, where we take technical topics and we discuss them in plain English. My name's Cal Evans. I'm your host, and I am thrilled today to have three special guests, three good friends of mine, um, and I'm going to go in order that they're on my screen. So, Phil, why don't you start us off, introduce yourself. Uh, we'll go Phil, Bob, and then TJ. Appreciate that. Thanks, Cal, for having me. Uh, Philip Jackson, I'm the Chief Commerce Officer at Something Digital, and we are a full-service e-commerce agency. Uh, we specialize on helping websites of uh, all sizes that sell things online grow their business. And, uh, and we do that with uh, a bunch of tips and techniques. And I hope to share some of those here today. So thanks for having me on the show and pleasure to be here. Excellent. Bob? I'm Bob Dunn. Uh, people know me as Bob WP. Uh, I'm basically a publisher and podcaster. So I specialize in WooCommerce and yeah, that, that's it. I, I write about it and I talk about it. So uh, appreciate the invite and looking forward to it. I'm, I'm among some very brilliant people here and I'm, I'm more of a e-commerce guy by osmosis. So uh, I'm, um, I'm looking forward to the chat. Well, excellent. Thank you, Bob. TJ. TJ Gamble, CEO and founder of Jamerson. We are also an e-commerce agency. I put out a little, a little bit of content under e-commerceaholic over there where we're trying to help you get more from your e-commerce store. Just, just a little bit of content. A little bit. Well, you, you, if you think it's a lot now, just wait about a month and holler at me. Can't wait. I always love the, um, I love watching the experiments that you do. Um, and it's just fascinating. Hey, okay. The topic today is getting ready for Black Friday. And if you think it's too early to get ready for Black Friday, you are going to, you're sadly mistaken. Um, this is the time that you should be planning. This is the time, especially that you should be lining up all your technical stuff. And we're going to focus on that for the main part, although we will very, we will um, venture into, um, uh, marketing and anything else my guests want to speak about. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start with my checklist and gentlemen, as I told you before, I've got a list, a punch list here, but if y'all decide to run off and chase rabbits, I'm not going to stop you. If we get going, let's, let's just keep going. So, uh, but first the, the one that's most important to me is, um, security. What can people do? What, what's the most important thing people can do to lock down their website? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, the obvious, the obvious thing is it, it really depends on which platform you're on. Okay. Uh, if you're on an open source platform, you know, if you're on WordPress, if you're on Magento, uh, you have to make sure that your site is patched. Um, you know, and sometimes that's upgrading to the latest version. Uh, sometimes with Magento, that, that may be just making sure all the security patches are there. Um, and, and you don't want to wait around until right before Black Friday. As with all of these things, you want to do them early so that you can test and make sure there are no 
repercussions for those updates? You know, in my entire list, I totally spazzed out and forgot patch, but that, that's, that's the easy one. You know, that's yeah, wait, I was supposed to read, I was, I was supposed to read the list. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you be any different? Nobody else read it. So <laughs> <laughs> there's, I, I, I'd like to pitch in, um, on that point. Not that, uh, I'm, I'm not the WordPress guy, but there's a, a, a ton of tools uh, that exist in the world um, that allow you to sort of externally scan. If you're not the kind of person who's like the infrastructure person uh, in your organization, uh, maybe you have someone, maybe there's someone that you hire or retain their services on an ongoing basis, or maybe it's a developer that you've hired uh, that does things every so often for you. Uh, one way to keep their uh, keep the work that they do sort of accountable and you can keep it visible is by using an external scan tool. There's a number of them that exist for WordPress. Um, I, I use something called WP Scan. Um, but there's if, if you just Google, uh, you know, WordPress Scan uh, or Magento Security Scan, you'll find that there's a dozen of them for each platform. Uh, and, and that'll allow you to, uh, to just externally check for some things. It's not going to make sure you're, you're perfectly safe. It's not going to apply the patches for you, but it at least keeps everybody accountable that you're up to date with the most recent um, updates. One other thing is, why don't you, you know, I, I find that a lot of store operators uh, are busy every day and inundated with the day-to-day -day, uh, in their business. But I set up special email rules for myself uh, for managing stores that uh, keep certain emails like security bulletins at the top of the inbox. And they highlight them and they flag them a certain way so I don't just delete them and get rid of them and kind of skip them. So those usually come from a special address for Magento. It comes from a Magento security uh, list. And so, you know, sometimes we get busy, we forget about that sort of stuff. And to TJ's point, you want to make sure you're on top of those as soon as you possibly can be. So, um, yeah, that's, I think those are really good pieces of advice. Yeah, and I think early on, one of the habits a lot of people, especially small shops, get in the habit of doing and those that are new to running their online stores, they'll set those auto updates, which is great. But as you get closer and closer to actually the stuff starts hitting the fan and you know, you're going to have that sales there, you might want to remember to tick those off because you don't want to be in the middle of something and suddenly have five or six plugins that auto yeah. update and then you're going sideways. So you got to write that down or, you know, make a note of it. If you have that set in place, you don't want that happening midstream. Yeah. Um, I, I usually try to um, advise clients to turn that stuff off early in the week on the, the week of black Friday, because at some point you got to say, this is the platform we're going with you know, and, um, and we'll, we'll just have to deal with it unless there's something just a, a zero day vulnerability that's huge. You know, don't patch right before you go live. But that's right up there with never use any version of Windows that ends in dot zero. So, you know. Don't use a version of any e-commerce platform that ends in .0 too, I think is what we're figuring out these days. Sorry, TJ, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think you could get rid of the dot stuff. Just don't use any version of Windows. Oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> just end it there. <laughs> okay, well. If I could pitch one more thing in there, I, sure. I think it's, it's important to note too that uh, Black Friday has spread out a little bit. So the concept of Black Friday and Cyber Monday 
um, as that four day weekend, I think is starting to, it also extends now to apparently giving Tuesday. And, you know, there's, there's, there's days preceding as well that I think marketers are trying to pull back uh, the concentration risk you have of your site going down on the biggest sale day of the year by allowing early access to certain uh, customer groups. So there's other ways that you can sort of mitigate the risk of, uh-oh, something happened on this weekend. So I think, Cal, your advice of, you know, starting early in the week and in, in, uh, mitigating some of those uh, risk factors is, is wise advice. I would almost say pull that all the way back. Black Friday for... 2020 um if we actually make it there because i'm not cons- i'm not i don't believe that we will uh given the route that we're going in this in the world right now but if we all make it to november 27th it's november 27th which is um a little earlier than it was last year by a day or so um, mm-hmm. that, that's an interesting concept i um i had never really thought about the fact that online there's really no there's no reason to have that other than just tradition. You can start those sales early. Uh, do you see more and more retailers doing that or are people just sticking to that hard line, you know, um, shotgun start type thing? There's, I, there's a lot of uh, evidence. So if you, if you were to look at um, Digiday puts out uh, like a Black Friday or like a holiday weekend report, Adobe puts out a, an analytics report every year and Every year for the past four years, uh, Thanksgiving evening is growing in e-commerce traffic and sales. Wow. And so, uh, and I think that's because e-tailers are pulling those sales, those sale deals to align with what the retail store openings were, were offering on those days to try to alleviate some of the traffic to store. Uh, and so I would assume that we're going to be seeing, you know, Thanksgiving day sales and, you know, earlier a day or so earlier uh, this year, um, if not even sooner. Um, I've seen a lot of 12 days of Christmas or the whole month of December or the whole month of uh, November as sort of like a countdown to Black Friday uh, where there's a new deal every day. And then Black Friday is really just the everything we've already offered all month long is all available at one time. Um, so yes, uh, I'm curious what the other folks on the panel have seen. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's interesting to note as well that Black Friday is no longer a day. It's pretty much a week. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's starting earlier and it's running longer. So I think people, you know, early on years ago, it was pretty much one day and it's done. And now, you know, with Cyber Monday and, and things like that, you're starting to see buyers pace out a little bit. They're purchasing, you know, they're not just spending it all on that one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, you want to make sure you're addressing that for, for pretty much you know, from Thanksgiving at least all the way through that next Friday or that next weekend. Bob, you got any thoughts on this? Um, no, pretty much along the same train of thoughts. I mean, I'm seeing this, especially in the WordPress space, um, even the people that sell within the WordPress space, they, they are stretching it out. Mm. And it's true. And and you think of, you know, we can't anymore. It's, it's so fluid. We don't know what everybody's going to be doing on Thanksgiving. Does everybody always want to sit down or black Friday or whatever day sit down and say, this is the day I got to sit down and buy this. So I think, yeah, a lot more flexibility. Very cool. Well, that, that kind of tracks with um, what I see happening in, um, in, in our family. I mean, we have the big Thanksgiving dinner and then you get the Cowboys on the TV and I got no interest in that. So once Kathy gets into football, I go do my Christmas shopping and uh, everybody's happy. 
because I don't want to watch the Cowboys. But um, so that that, <laughs> um, that that does it. Now that you say it, it does kind of track with with what I've been seeing and seeing more and more specials that are cheating and you know it's not waiting till friday this specials on thursday or the specials on wednesday um i I actually kind of like the idea i've seen a couple of it do it last year but not as many as i thought um of getting a, a a daily email this is our black friday week special and this is today's special and um so i i like seeing that gonna go off on a tangent here just make a comment the thing that surprised me when I started doing the research on this, because I've been researching this for um, a while, getting ready for this podcast, was the number of places that told retailers, make sure you stock up on whatever you're selling. And I'm like, is that not basic? I mean, if you don't understand that, why are you putting it on sales? So, but. Well, that's even more true this year, though, because are we going to continue to have supply chain issues? Like, will you be able to restock those items or will you be able to get them in the lead times you're accustomed to? So this year, more than any like that, that's definitely e-commerce one on one. But, um, you know, this year it's a it's a different world. So I would I would already be reaching out and making sure that you're going to be able to acquire that inventory. Oh, that's a good point. And yeah, uh, people need to be, um, lead times are going to be longer. Um, and you, you need to be able to, to stock up on that stuff. I, I just, I, I found it interesting. Um, my retail experience is very small and is, um, you know, so these things were, it was fascinating to me that the advice that was being given. Um, so, okay. Gotta, security. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, you got to fill an article, man. Like, you know, you, you need that extra paragraph, so just put in some useless advice. Yeah, I, look, I, you know, I put in um, several times, put things into DuckDuckGo, and I get the same article from three different places. I mean, just almost copy and paste, just the same 10 points, man. Yeah, it's, I, I, I'll say if, if you're on the, if you run an e-commerce shop um, and you are struggling right now, uh, which it, it sounds like it's a good problem to have to be out of stock due to supply chain issues that you sold out of everything. Um, you, you could be facing a few months now, right now, where you're not going to have that product in stock and there could be some pent up demand. There might be a strategy here for you to bring back. Don't bring those back, those, uh, items, uh, too soon and, and stock out again. And then you won't have them over the holidays, pace them out and uh and keep the demand high through the end of the year so you know reserve some stock for to your point cal reserve some of that stock for those high uh, frequency purchase items uh, for that last part of the year so that you know you're getting people back in the funnel at you know at the time that you want them to be buying on site and when you get them there you know there again this is a marketing technique but you could encourage them to buy more while they're there by giving them some incentive um which would increase the basket size you know you'll have to it's like I teach my kids all the time. You know, you can have one marshmallow now or you can have three marshmallows later. Which one are they going to choose? If we, could, if we can, as marketers and uh, operators, uh, I would like to educate you that you could probably have some greater sales if you held on to a little bit of that inventory and didn't blow through it in September, October. Um, That's but interesting. Just do a little hold back as you're ordering throughout and that way you've got, the, um, you've got it for the things that are not going to change. Um, well, right, you may have to be careful. You may have to be careful with that. Like that's a, probably a great strategy for a direct to consumer brand. But if mm-hmm. somebody else is going to be able to acquire that inventory because you didn't, 
then, you know, if other people are selling the same yeah. things, yeah. you may have to rethink that strategy just a little bit. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to, you're not going to do that with this year's tickle me Elmo, but. <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that there's a, uh, there's some wisdom to that TJ. I think you're right. My, my, my advice is really, you're probably not going to win on a strategy like that anyway, on something like a, a, a lotion or a, a hand wash or something that's broadly available. If something you're stocked out of right now is, is something that you are managing supply chain on um, and you're not just, you know, Joe retailer, um, then I think, yeah, you, you probably have greater control over that and which channel it's sold in. Uh, but anyway, I, I feel like I'm hogging up the, uh, the conversation here. It's, there's a lot of ways to, there's a lot of ways to win. I think, um, yeah. Okay. Well, very cool. Um, okay. We, we talked a little bit about security um, and, and keeping everything patched. Uh, I, I, I do want to throw in, I had an episode of Geek to English just recently, I think uh, last month's episode on securing your site. And it talked about um, things like putting firewalls on your, or having your technical people put firewalls on your server, put firewalls in front of your server, doing all of these things that you can do. And if you're using WordPress, and I'm sure this exists in Magento extensions, but WordPress has plugins that will validate your traffic and, um, you know, keep the bad people at bay. So, um, you know, invest in those, but do it now. Don't do this stuff in, even in September, October. You don't want to be making major infrastructure changes that late in the game. If you're going to do this stuff, do it now. Um, so let's talk a little bit about something that all of us fight with, okay? It doesn't matter what system you are using, site speed, you know? Um, I, I'm always a big fan of check it early, check it often. And um, I've got on here, you know, if you, have a, if you don't know how fast your site is, how do you compare it? So um, there's two or three good site speed um, resources you can get out on the web. Um, I think I use um, web page speed test. I'll dig that up, um, but there's a couple of them out there. Um, the thing I like about the one I use is I can decide what browser type or what browser to use um, to check it with and where to check it from. So I always get the exact same um, results. I always use Chrome. I always check from Dulles, um, Virginia, and it always gives me a central uh, or a, 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 a common theme. Uh, but you could check it from anywhere at, at that point also. Um, but there, there's a lot of things you can do. Now, you know, I listed things like um, optimize all the things. You should optimize your images and um, minify your, JS, your JavaScript and stuff like that. What else is out there? I mean, wh wh how important is this? Is this something people should bother with? Am I blowing smoke or is this important? And what do you tell your clients about this at this point? TJ, why don't you lead for, us off? For us, this is not a Black Friday problem. This is an all the time problem, right? Mm. Like you should be doing this regardless of any Black Friday strategy. Same thing with security, all of those things. Black Friday is a scalability and a marketing problem. If you're looking at uh, things like site speed only on Black Friday, then you're probably doing it wrong. On the flip side of that, a lot of merchants have budget allocated for fixing things for the Black Friday sale. So I understand how, okay, now we've got some money. What do we look at? Yeah. Um, you know, performance usually comes down to a few things. It's usually going to come down to how much data somebody is downloading, whether it's image sizes or um, you know, JavaScript files or whatever, 
uh, it's going to be, you know, backend code, so server response times, or it's going to be the JavaScript that's running on the front end. That, those are usually, it's usually going to be in one of those things. And so you need to be constantly measuring those things at all times. Uh, backend code is usually just like time to first bike. Like how long did it take for that site to actually generate that website and, and provide it to the browser? And, you know, once you find things on that side, it could be a lot of stuff. It could be caching issues. It could be database performance problems. Like it, it really gets crazy on that side. And I, I hate hosting. I hate everything there is about hosting, which is why I find hosting partners that enjoy doing hosting stuff. Mm -hmm. And so my recommendation for every merchant is to make sure you have a hosting provider that you consider a partner, somebody that you can rely on to help you debug and diagnose a lot of those issues because sometimes they're really difficult to find. I love the fact that you use the term partner because I read an article the other day on you should never do business with a vendor, only do business with people you are going to, you're willing to call your partner. And if you're mm -hmm. if, with hosting, especially if this is your livelihood, they literally are your partner. If they drop the ball, you suffer. Mm. Bob, you got any thoughts? You know, but TJ was talking about made me think of how many, uh, especially non-tech store owners that if they're running a WordPress site and they're looking at the, you know, Minify J as a Minify, you know, all these different things, then they're told they go to their site speed checker and it says you need to do this because you got a D here, you got an F here. So then you look at those things and they're totally foreign to you. Then you start to put in all those plugins that will, I mean, there's ones that will specifically do each one of these. And then you become even more overwhelmed. It goes back to, Exactly what TJ, both of you were saying is often there's times you just need somebody to get in there and do it for you, help you with this stuff. Because even though it seems like, oh yeah, there's a solution here. I can do this plugin. That doesn't mean plug and play and everything's working. You need somebody to really interpret a lot of that stuff because I, I even struggle with it and I'm not the geekiest person code wise or anything. And sometimes I look at that stuff and I think, you know, what in the world are you talking about? And then you get on Google and you go down that rabbit hole. So it's really reaching out and getting somebody to help you. And if you've got a host that can say, Hey, you know, get in there and, you know, I can look at this stuff and these are the things we can do. It's even more gold. SiteGround has been providing web hosting solutions for 15 years and has become known for its fast platform, top-notch security, and exceptional customer service. If you've been sitting on a great idea for a personal site, a blog, or an online shop, SiteGround will help you get it started smoothly. If you're a professional building and managing multiple client sites, SiteGround offers a powerful set of tools for collaboration and easy management that will save you work and yet give you plenty of control. Enjoy essential must-haves included for free in all of their plans, like Let's Encrypt SSL, email accounts, CDN, automated daily backups, and so much more. Check them out today at SiteGround.com. I've got um, I mean, I've, I've got a foot in each world. Um, I've got several of my sites on SiteGround, but I also still have my own um, DigitalOcean server that. I manage myself and um, more because I, I, 
I grew up doing this stuff. I mean, I, I got into uh, yeah. the programming right before the internet hit. And man, when I got to the point where I could run my own server, I was a god among men. You know, <laughs> I could compile PHP. That was the holy grail. <laughs> but um, it, it was, the longer I do this, the more I realize I, I enjoy building things. I don't enjoy running servers anymore. So I'm kind of getting like TJ. If I can find somebody that's good at it and let them deal with it, I don't have to because I was early on an early adopter in Cloudflare. And, you know, I, I was very technical back then, much more than I am now. And it still took me a weekend to implement Cloudflare on one site. And I don't know what it's like these days because that scared me so much. I'm afraid to do it anymore. But it, it's a great service. You know, I, I recommend it in my um, security episode. So, um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, both of you are correct. Have somebody that you trust that's going to do this and don't just budget for it on Black Friday. Phil, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I, I usually answer questions like this with a parable. I apologize. Uh, but, you know, I moved into a new house uh, four or five years ago and I thought to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mow my own lawn because I can, right? So I bought all the equipment bought a lawnmower, bought a weed whacker. And uh, I did that for a few weeks and I was like, whew, man, this is hard work. You know, am I really gonna keep this up? And, uh, you know, then we got into summer, it's getting real hot, you know, and then the weeds start coming in. So I bought uh, a, a broadcast feeder, right? And I bought a bunch of Scott's weed and feed, went out there and, you know, it took me, I was in this house maybe two months before I killed all the grass and then the grass that I didn't kill was growing up through the driveway. And it turns out like, just cause I can do something doesn't mean that I like to do it or that I could do, should do it or that I am like particularly skilled or have time to do it. It turns out like some of these things distract me from the other stuff that I could or should be doing and that I'm particularly skilled at. And I feel like a lot of uh, shop owners like store operators are the same just cause you can get in the back end of WordPress and turn something on or just because you can install a, a, a plugin into Magento doesn't mean you should. Um, and what are you not doing because you're doing that is my question. So that, that I, I don't know if that rings true for anybody, but I find a lot of retail, you know, brand operators know way too much about the technology and they're asking questions like, when do I do PWA or how's my cron job running? And I think the thing they should be asking is like, how am I, you know, how, what do my customers think about my brand? Um, yeah. And that's that excellent advice. And that's the same exact thing I told my wife, Kathy, when we got our house, um, I, I explained to her that I make X dollars an hour and it costs me Y dollars an hour to pay the neighborhood kid to mow the lawn and Y is less than X. So he's mowing the lawn. <laughs> Now, TJ's got a tractor of some kind, I think. He, he, he mows his with incredible efficiency. Uh, oh, but yeah, but TJ has a small city that he has a house in the middle of, so, you know. <laughs> All right. Tw 21 acres is a lot to mow, unfortunately. Um, not all of it's grass, only about 11 acres or so. But uh, the story for another, another time, I guess. Uh, there, there is one more thing I wanted to mention about performance that a lot of people don't. I mean, maybe they realize, but they don't really think about. Um, and, and it's whether you're on SaaS and we're talking about marketplace offerings or whether you're on open source and we're talking about modules, add-ons 
are the enemy of page performance. Absolutely. Okay. And so you have to be very selective and, and, you know, really put some effort into making sure whatever you're adding to a site um, is actually not, you know, detrimental to your performance. And too many people see a module, wait to the last minute, throw it up there a week or two weeks before Black Friday and try to run through the busiest time of the year with that module, hoping it's going to work. Uh, and so, you know, it, you can't, it's like I try to explain to everybody I talk to, especially, especially from a Magento perspective. A clean Magento site is a good Magento site. Um, so just, just be real selective and make sure whatever modules you're running with, um, whether you, know, you inactivate old ones or whether um, you're looking at new ones to, to add functionality, just make sure you do your diligence on them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Bob, did you want to, you look like you had something to add on. Nope. Okay. Um, no, yeah, that might, TJ, that might be the one piece of advice that if people take anything out of this um, episode that they um, get. Um, WordPress, I, I, I've been, I, I had this one woman um, contact me because her, she was having a problem with her WordPress site and I logged in and she had 60 plus plugins. And I'm like, just because you can doesn't mean you should, you know, yes, you can keep installing these things, even plugins that are only supposed to make things faster. That's code that had the server has to execute it by default will make things slower. So, um, you know, the, the first thing I did was we, we went through and said, okay, what is this used for? I, you know, I'm not really sure. Okay, let's turn it off, see thingy breaks, you know. And we went, we spent a couple hours doing that. And yeah, we, we sped her site up. We only got it about half as fast as it was, but that was still significant pro um, progress. So yeah, that, that is very good. Um, make sure that everything that you have loaded and um, in your site, make sure that that's necessary. Um, and by all means, don't, don't decide that you're going to do something um, last minute. And before you load any plugin, go check your site speed. Load the plugin, get it configured, go check your site speed again. Did this have a detrimental effect? Make sure you understand what it's costing you to um, have that plugin or that extension. And I'm not saying uninstall it, I'm saying you need to know if it's costing you. I, uh, I add one, one other yeah. thing. I, Because I, I, TJ and, and both you, Cal, uh, triggered it in my mind. Uh, sometimes I think we're trying to solve the wrong problem as well. So I, I want us to focus on site speed. It's absolutely important. Um, it's vital, especially if uh, folks are coming in on mobile and they don't have the fastest device or they don't have the fastest connection. Uh, so I don't want to minimize that. Uh, but I think sometimes that can also be one of the hardest problems to solve. And so there might be a trade-off uh, you know, if, if I were you, I'd be thinking about all of the things that might uh, be turning customers away. And in many cases, uh, you know, getting people onto the site and getting them to a product detail page and getting them to put something into the cart is, is uh, working. It's what happens after that that's not working. Um, and so being really clued in on the data on your particular site, you should always make your site as fast as possible. Uh, but uh, look elsewhere where there might other be might be other places to invest that time and, and effort that might be easier to win. Um, you know, having these days, having uh, Apple pay uh, and having Google pay on your website uh, or Amazon pay uh, ultimate payment options of some kind might be a way to like keep people from 
abandoning, you know, late stage in the checkout. And that might also prove very valuable for your company to uh, close some sales. So, um, yeah, so I, I'd think about the whole prioritization matrix uh, by difficulty to implement and the things you can do uh, versus the things you have to rely on, you know, outside development talent or, or uh, you know, infrastructure acquisition or contract signing. I mean, you mentioned Cloudflare, that's pretty self-service, but there's other companies out there like Fastly that require a commitment and take a lot of time to onboard and you have to sign a contract and those things are, are valuable that, you know, they can take yeah. a lot of decision making. And I didn't bring those up simply because um, most of our market is um, small to medium business. And yeah. if you're at that level, if you're using Fastly or Akamai or anything like that, yeah. you've got a technical staff, um, but uh, sure. almost always. Um, but Phil, you did bring up something and I've got a point down here um, in this extra area that let's go ahead and um, talk about. And that's streamlining the order process. How important is this? Do you go over with your customers about this? Um, I know, uh, Bob, WooCommerce has like 15 or 20 different order processes that you can implement. Everything from single page, just vomit the entire form onto the screen to wizard and stuff like that. How important is this? Do y'all discuss this with your clients in reducing the friction that it takes to get that order placed? Okay, I'm going to have to cut me? the silence now. I, I'm asking anybody. So, okay. <laughs> Bob, why don't you lead us off? I'm sure there's probably at um, both of both of them having worked with clients deal with this a lot more. And I talk to a lot of people that have this and yeah, it's, it, it's, it's interesting because I've had a lot of people on my podcasting talking about, uh, you know, one page click, you know, one page checkouts and stuff like that. And there's always so many variables. Of course you don't want to have multi, you know, pages and stuff, but whether it goes from one to two, um, making the, you know, one, it, it kind of boils down to, and, and this is what I've always struggled with is, you know, you either have it all on one page, but is that overwhelming? Is it better to split it up into a couple smaller steps that make it more fluid where, you know, you do this and you do this and also customize it where you don't have a lot of unnecessary fields you're asking for, or, um, trying to collect information that you don't really need. So yeah, it is, it's all streamlining. And I'm sure both of, both of them can give us a better, you know, from working with clients and what has been effective. But I, I just think that that one page checkout isn't always the best approach because too many people try to shove too much on one page. Yeah, I would argue that one page checkout is almost never the best solution like there may be exceptions to that you know I, I'm, I'm never gonna have uh, that strong of an opinion but in most cases you always want to break it up um, not to mention there there are it's it's just like I go to rocket mortgage and I want to apply for a mortgage first thing they're gonna ask me is a very simple question and it's gonna be are you purchasing or are you refinancing and then you click the next page and there's like two form fields and then you click the next page and there's something to, you know, you don't want it to be too many steps. You don't want to collect too much information, but there is something to um, the psychology behind get a little bit and then ask for more. 
Um, there, you know, there's a couple of, couple of things. There's, there's first sunk cost fallacy. You've already come this far. You might as well finish. Um, but on the flip side, there was a study done many, many years ago where someone walked around and asked people if they could put a billboard in their front yard. And nobody, 0% of those people agreed to put a billboard in their front yard. So they did a, another study in a very similar neighborhood, and they went around and asked them to put a little political sign in their front yard. And a certain percentage, I don't remember the exact number, said that they could put a political sign in their front yard. So then they went back and surveyed those people that said yes to the political sign if they could put a billboard. And a small percentage of those people agreed to let them put a billboard in their yard. Like it's just, you know, you ask, it's, a, it's an old sales technique to ask for a little and then ask for a lot more um, because, you know, they've committed at that point. And, and that's kind of the same thing with checkout. You know, get a little bit, don't make it overwhelming. Don't ask stupid things like my company name or my birth date or something silly. If you don't need that information, you can always do like some sort of post-purchase follow-up right. for some of those optional things you would like to have. So simplify your checkout, but just throwing it all on one page is usually a mess. And it, it even more of a mess on mobile. Hey, Phil, let me ask you yeah. this since it's related to it. Um, do you, when you're working with clients, do you advise you must have an account or somebody must have an account to purchase or is guest purchasing acceptable? How do you, where do y'all fall on that? Yeah, that's a, so this, this is a great question. Um, I think in this day and age, there's, uh, the assumption that, uh, you should give the customer the choice, right? Mm -hmm. Like, unless there's a, uh, unless the whole point of your site is some sort of, uh, membership club or some gated access, um, and there are sites that do very well with that, um, then you, you shouldn't require a registration of some kind. Plus everybody knows like who, like I've got a billion passwords. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a hurdle, right? So if I have to, to fill out a profile, etc. I think uh, the, the modern approach or the modern technique, especially for folks that purchase on mobile is to provide them some easy means of completing information that they have to, fill in over and over. So um, one way of streamlining to TJ's point is at the address step, uh, you know, make sure that whatever browser autofill that you that, you know, is available on mobile or available in, in something like uh, a web browser, make sure that those things actually work, right? Like use it yourself, you know, you kind of have to dog food it a little bit, you have to go in and make sure that when you go to autocomplete the address, that it fills it out completely. Um, and there's plenty of solutions. There's a lot of tips and tricks there to, to sort of streamline it. But, you know, I, I think a lot of, uh, there was a, a, a number of, it was like a, a period of time where e-commerce sites tried to copy everything that Amazon did with the assumption that it worked, right? And Amazon has more traffic than you'll ever have. And they could convert it at a much worse rate and still do quite well than you ever will. And so I think uh, the, again, we're talking about like extreme ends of the purchasing cycle. They're the most expensive places for you to invest in change are at the very top of the funnel and the very bottom of the funnel. So it's extremely expensive to acquire a ton of traffic to your website. And it's extremely expensive for you to alter the last few steps before they purchase. And uh, I think, because it's very complex when, when you're dealing with all the things uh, in checkout, like t to TJ's point, many times it's just kind of not worth the, the investment that it would take uh, for you uh, to, to make radical changes to the checkout. So um, 
if you are using a modern e-commerce platform, it's likely been optimized over time to kind of get close enough to an, a customer's expectation of how modern e-commerce works that you probably don't need to mess with it too, too much. Um, so that's, that's sort of my spiel there. And the last thing I'll say is um, I think the streamlining really can come in just analyzing or asking a customer very directly, like how they got to your website and how they made a decision to purchase. You can set this up with a lot of e-commerce or a lot of uh, email platforms, a triggered email that would ask for a review and ask them for an open-ended question that says, you know, how did, what could we fix about, or like, what would you change about our, our purchasing process and send that email before they get the product. So they haven't forgotten about you yet. And when you do that, you'll find that, you know, nine times out of 10, uh, they'll be extremely honest with you and they'll tell you exactly what you need to fix. And, you know, not that you should listen to any one person's feedback, but over time, I think you'll learn where the friction points are and you should kind of focus on those. I think listening to customers is probably the best bet for you making this, you know, decisions. Um, very cool. Very cool. Okay. Um, I, honestly, I, I could go, um, we could do an entire episode on um, just this portion around the shopping cart. I've got so many questions, um, but <clears throat> let's move on because I want to keep this at right around an hour. And honestly, there's the, the elephant in the room. Um, this year, we're going to what I've got, what I'm calling, uh, and I'm not making light of this. It's just, I, I just called it this, the COVID-19 Christmas. Okay. This changes everything. Now, the first one I want to ask um, to either Phil or TJ, which one of you two marketing idiots told every one of your clients to send me an, uh, an email with the words in these trying times? Because I want to come over there and hurt you. Mm -hmm. I got every one of them. I, I got shoe vendors that I haven't dealt with in 10 years that have sent me emails to say in these trying times. You know? No, I, I'm just kidding. Um, Phil. You and I got to talk about this a little earlier. You, you are very opinionated on this. So I'm going to let you lead off on this. How will this change? Or how will what we've just gone through change Christmas this year or Black Friday this year? Yeah, I think before we get to Black Friday, let me talk about the other pieces of retail seasonality that we all have to contend with before we get there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we just got through, you know, the, this country at least just got through a Mother's Day, totally remote at home right? We're probably going to go through a Father's Day the same way. Very few people are taking vacations right now, I'm sure, right? Not travel vacations anyway. Mm -hmm. And that means we're probably going to come up on back to school with a similar situation. I don't know what school's going to be like for public school sending kids off again. Like, are we going to be back to homeschool? You know, those gift-giving holidays and back to school make up about 40% of most direct-to-consumer or, or B2C companies' revenue in a year. Mm -hmm. And, and so gift giving is, is a big deal. And so is back to school. It's a big deal. Um, so I think that it could, this could be death by a thousand cuts by the time we get to Q4. Um, if you, if, if, if customers don't have a reason to purchase, um, don't have a reason to purchase back to school items, e-commerce or not, uh, I think that that will hurt a lot of uh, businesses. So there's a lot of concern that I have about, you know, the fatigue of being promotioned to death for the next six months by the time we get to Black Friday, that uh, it'll sort of ring hollow or, or we'll all be kind of numb to it. Or frankly, folks in this economy may not, you know, have the wherewithal to spend much of anything, regardless of whether it's 70% off or not. So my advice, and, and this, you know, 
it's a, it might be a little duplicitous. Uh, I, I'm, I sit a lot in marketing these days. So, uh, I, you know, I sort of try to act with, you know, try to treat customers with dignity and respect. Um, but if, if you're going to have a holiday 2020, it's probably going to happen right now while things aren't too bad. So if I were, if I were a brand marketer, um, I'd probably be executing a black Friday playbook right now before Amazon prime day, before, like before everybody else gets their, their cut of the pie. Um, I'd be running that with my customers right now, because I think that might be the only one that you get a shot at. Um, and it's still, while there's still talk of another stimulus coming, you know, before we get into deep economic woes, um, I'd be running that right now. So if you're going to have one, my advice, uh, Christmas in July, you better pull it off. Uh, cause I don't know that we're going to have a Christmas this year. That's my very opinionated advice. And I could be wrong. I really hope I am wrong, to be honest with you. Um, I'll speak to one aspect of that. And that's the, the, the fatigue aspect. Um, growing up in Mobile, Alabama, we had a used car dealer that every other weekend was either going out of business or having a tent sale. And you eventually just, you know, you, you get tired yeah. of seeing this guy on TV and, and fatigue is real. And you, you're right. If all we're going to do leading up to Black Friday is have 70% off sales, then Black Friday has no meaning. Um, as to the other portion of it, I really have not put enough thought into it. So I, I have no way of um, even discussing that with you other than you scare me, dude, where your head's going. So, <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, TJ, um, what do you think? What's, how, how is COVID going to change Black Friday this year? I mean, it's definitely hard to disagree with what Philip says there. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there, we, have, we have not come close to seeing the end of the economic impact. Because if we're not traveling this summer, then places where we go and spend that money are not going to have income. And they're not going to then go online and buy things at businesses that affect the rest of us. So it's, it's going to be a cycle that's going to take a while to actually play out. Uh, and so it's not like, hey, a bunch of people are unemployed. Now nobody's got any money. I mean, that's part of it. But, you know, we're all spending money in very different ways. Mm -hmm. We're spending money by groceries, not eating out. Uh, I saw a study the other day that like loungewear, like sweatpants and, and uh, pajamas are way up and clothing sales online are way down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's a huge shift in how we spend money. And so how is that going to play out um, through the holidays? It, it's going to be very difficult to prepare for um, because you're going to have to order stuff way ahead of time to have it. But then what if people aren't buying that? Um, Ooh, I, I do, be I, I do believe it, you know, the situation where we're all going to be sitting there looking for a big screen TV on, on Thanksgiving evening, I, I think that's gone. Like, I think those types of purchases are probably not going to be the big hot items. Obviously, some people will, will be looking for those deals, but, you know, you, you've really got to try to sit down and think about what your market's going to look like um, because your market, it could be very different, good or bad, this year compared to previous years based on our new purchasing habits. Yeah, that's true. If I could, if I could put on a, a retail analyst hat for just one second, I know this is not the focus of this show, um, but I, 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 there might be something that's changing and maybe this helps uh, lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, we saw something really interesting happen with the release of the new Trolls movie where um, the new Trolls movie, Trolls 2, uh, uh, world tour 
made more money margin-wise than the previous movie, which had a theatrical release. This new movie did not have a theatrical release. And why did they make more money? They made more money because there's people are bored and there's pent-up demand. They've got kids at home with nothing to do. And idiots like me spent $20 to watch a movie one time at home where we would have spent 60 to go to the movies at the movie theater. And that means Regal and AMC didn't take a cut of the pie. And that means the studio made more money in the long run, even though less people saw it. That might actually be true. Xbox is releasing a new console this year. Sony's releasing a new console this year. I think people are turning their homes into castles, like fortresses to, of, of relaxation and entertainment. And so maybe that's where they prioritize their spending through the end of the year. And if you, if, if you have products that you sell that make the home and the, the, the leisure environment and making life at home a little bit better, or you could somehow spin or, or frame the product that you create and you sell to make life at home a little bit better. Um, maybe, maybe that's worth a consumer's investment. And, um, but I think the, the advice still holds true. I'd be doing that right now and not waiting. Um, um, technically for tax purposes, the new Xbox is listed on my network as a network testing device. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm getting one. Bob, you talk to a lot of people about, um, WooCommerce and stuff like this. Are you seeing any attitudes change and the guests that you're having and, um, what they're planning for, for this Christmas? Boy, you know, it's, I look at a couple things. I look at some of them are, you know, they do get in that mindset and it's a catch 22 where they're thinking, okay, because of what's happened, a lot more people are buying online, people that didn't do it before. So they're looking at it as, okay, that market has grown because there's that comfort level level there that wasn't there before, which could be an advantage down the road. But then of course, we've got to look at the economic side of things because if you know, just because you now comfortable buying online, do you have the money to buy much online? Yeah. So that's kind of throws that into it. And the other thing I think is, and what I what, what I question is, the seasoned online store owner has probably gone through this, and they they have to you know they used to have a certain playbook that they went by, and they're adjusting it. All these people that have in the last two months gone online because well, either their store closed or whatever, all of them are kind of like deer in headlights yeah. because they can't follow the old playbook because nobody really knows what that playbook holds right now. So it's even, I, I feel like they're a bit more, you know, they don't know what to do. They're saying because they feel like even the seasoned people don't really know what to do because they don't know what's going to happen, you know three months, yeah. four months, six months down the road, or even a year down the road. So I think there's just, you know, there's, there's that point of jumping in online right now that a lot of the small shops are doing, but, you know, looking, it's almost, they get frozen thinking, okay, now I got to start planning for Black Friday. What's going to happen? This, this has always been the way probably they've done it. I've read 5,000 posts of the 10 ways to prepare for Black Friday and none of them make sense anymore. So it, it is really, it's, it's going to be a challenge for those small businesses because they're just trying to understand the basics now that they're online and then throw that into the mix. So it's just, yeah. I think it just is a little bit, you know, intimidating for some of them right now because it's, it's a new space for them. 
And my guess is that the small e-tailers that are having problems because they're retailers, brick and mortar, that um, are having problems because their shop is shut down. Bob, you're seeing a lot more of that audience because, I mean, the last WooCommerce site I set up took me a weekend and I got it up and running and everybody was happy. Um, I don't think that's possible in Magento, but I could be wrong. But um, so... My advice is if you are now finding yourself, if you're listening to this podcast and you're finding yourself, yes, I've got to have an e-commerce solution. If you're a large shop, yes, please tune in to um, TJ's um, stuff and make sure you listen to, Phil, what's the name of your podcast? Yeah, Future Commerce. It's Future a, Commerce. Future Excellent commerce podcast. Um, if, on the other hand, you are looking at um, WordPress and WooCommerce and going, okay, what now? I've got it. And I've done the WordPress five-minute install. What do I do now? You really need to be um, following up with Bob and listening to his podcast because, man, that's some good stuff um, that he produces there. Um, which brings me to my final point. <clears throat> I want to go around the room. We're going to start. We're going to go Phil. We're going to go Bob. We're going to go. And TJ, you're going to close us out. What's the one thing, if you could tell an e-tailer, and I, I'm using that 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 term. And I, I hate that term. That's like onboarding. It's just a term that grates on my nerves, but um, I don't know any other good term to use. If you could tell one thing or each e-tailer one thing, what would that one thing be? What's the one thing everybody forgets that you wish they would understand? Phil? Uh, so I guess that, that'll be me. Yeah. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate it. And um, it's an honor to have been on the show with these two guys. Um, one thing, um, you know, listen, like everything, I think this too will pass. Um, I think holiday is a thing that's constantly changing. And I think that it's different every single year. Last year, the thing that we dealt with was the holiday was split between two months. And so if you were doing uh, P&L, like the weekend fell across the end of November and beginning of December. And we had cu customers that were... Uh, that had budget allocation issues in November going into December. Um, that, and that's a weird problem that no one ever thought about and never even considered. And uh, the way that they, you know, did paid search, the way like everything was broken because of that. And some people were incredibly affected. In fact, the way that you looked at reports, if you look back now, November and December are kind of whacked out because of that. Um, so like, you're always gonna have a different challenge, right? And you, every year is going to be different in the holidays. I think the way that we, that we plan now is if you plan ahead uh, and you do a little bit of work every week and every month leading up, then you won't feel like you have that much more to lift. Um, and just hang on, right? Like uh, we're, uh, we're in a weird economic time right now, um, but it, it usually always comes back, right? Uh, we've never not seen it come back. So, um, you know, just uh, I think that that's pretty, pretty solid and timely advice for everybody. Excellent. Thank you, Phil. Bob, talk to us. What's the one thing? Um, first of all, yeah. Thank you for letting me be on this. This has been, been really fun. Uh, I think I'm speaking to the WordPress people and I'm speaking more to these new store owners. And I guess that's don't do this on your own. Don't, if you're jumping online, especially during this time, you're in a, you're kind of in a community space that there's people that's willing to help. There's your hosting company that's willing to maybe go the extra mile for you, walk you through some of the things we've already talked about. And I think it's, you know, again, you may be a small retailer that you've pretty much done a lot of this on your own with your little shop getting online. Don't think, okay, I just got to sit here and be in my, 
you know, I'm, I'm all alone in this. I've got to just figure this all out myself. There's a lot of resources. I mean, don't, don't Google the 10 tips to, for Black Friday. You don't want to do that. But beyond that, you know, um, reach out to people and, and yeah, especially the people you're already partnering with, you know, the people that you're buying from and you're working with, um, they may have knowledge there that can help you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Bob. TJ, close us out. What's the one thing? Yeah, it was great uh, being on here. So such insightful folks. You always have a great crew with these podcasts uh, when, when you invite me on. Uh, for me, you know, my advice is always to start now and start small. Uh, you know, you don't, if you're just getting started, you don't have to have this profound Black Friday strategy. You know, do something small, do something um, you know, prepare early so that it, you're, you're not overwhelmed by it. And every year, just evolve that to get it a little more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you've done something last year, try to take it up a few notches. But that's a lot easier to do if you start today than it is if you start a month or two months from now. Yeah. Very good advice. Thank you all. Um, I want to thank our sponsor, SiteGround. Speaking of hosts, if you are looking for a host, um, I would highly recommend you check them out. They have a lot of experience in this. Now, I'll have to say I love SiteGround because um, because I work with them so closely. I am in their Slack channel and I can pop in and the head of their WordPress hosting, I can ask him questions. Um, they don't give everybody that, but they do give a, you know, they, they do respond very quickly. I had another part vendor partner that um, I wrote an e- or I, I filed a ticket with, and it came back like three days later with, "Did you get res- resolution on this?" You can read the ticket, so uh, you know I didn't. But um, SiteGround's always very good. I really appreciate them uh, and all that they do for me and letting me host this podcast. Gentlemen, thank you so much. This has been very insightful. Audience, I hope you have enjoyed it. Hey, do me a favor. If you uh, haven't done so already, go out on whatever podcasting network that you are listening to this on. Leave us a rating, okay? If you like what we're doing, leave us a good rating. If you don't like what it's doing, my email address is cal at calevans.com. If there's something we can do better, you let me know. I'd, be, I'd love to hear from you. And I, we will see you right here next month on geek to english podcast hey thanks for listening to the geek to english podcast do me a favor if you like this episode find us on your favorite podcasting network and leave us a rating if there's something we can do better or if there's a topic you'd love us to cover drop me an email at cal at geek the number two english podcast.com 